Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today, we're going to give you guys some awards and our impressions of the year. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what this podcast is about? Well, it is pretty simple. We like to talk about games. Uh... I, you know, I have to admit, I was I was really excited in theory about this episode, and then I started, like, sitting down and, like, getting getting ready for it, and I was like, man, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't, I haven't necessarily, um, kind of pinned down what, what has, like, dampened my spirits about the year, but it, it really sucks because I love, you know, I love favorites, and I love going over, like, years and stuff like this, because I think it's so, it's it's a great way to kind of just, uh, you know, th- it, to think critically about this stuff. And I obviously do this all the time, right? But, you know, I just had a conversation with my little sister, who's not very, you know, she's not super media savvy. She's much more focused on, like, current events and news stuff. And so, it's easy for me to ask, oh, you know, like, what was your favorite thing that you saw this year? And, and get her to, you know, think about it. And think about... What her, you know, like of all the things I saw this year, what was my favorite, right? And like, I like these parameters for games, but uh, it has just revealed to me that I only played eight different games that came out this year. So I haven't really had the most comprehensive year of my uh, of my video gaming career. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. I, I think in some ways too, maybe. Um, I don't know about from your perspective, but I, I think this also holds true for you. Is that it's it was an easy year to go back and look at some previous things that maybe we didn't have time for in previous years and put some more time into those things. So, so while we did, you know, we obviously spent the full year gaming that maybe some of that time was taken up by things that wouldn't be discussed in like things that happened in 2015 type podcast. Well, so that's actually, that's pretty interesting. Cause I went back, I wanted to compare. I was like, man, why does this year feel so shit compared to all these other years? Cause if you think about the last five years in gaming, right? 2010 had Fallout New Vegas and Mass Effect 2 and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, you know, these are, and, and Wings of Liberty came out that year. 2011 had Skyrim, which kind of by itself carried my whole year. 2012 is probably the best year of gaming history that I've ever had, that's ever happened in my life, right? Mass Effect 3, Spec Ops The Line, The Walking Dead Telltale series, um, Deus Ex Human Revolution, Dishonored, uh, um, uh, the uh, God uh, XCOM came out that year. Just so many games came out in 2012. It's like the 1982 of video games. Um, t- you know, 2013. It's funny because I don't even think of 2013 as being a bad year because 2012 had so many things that bled into 2013 for me, and then 2014 had just kind of Dragon Age Inquisition and the Banner Saga for me. So I was very, very fulfilled by those years. But this one, by comparison, you know, I have my favorites. I know what's good. It's just uh, it, it, it's all less unequivocally good compared to those other years. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's 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 definitely interesting. I definitely see that. I don't know if I if I see the same things as you do, but I I, I, I get your point, especially about 2012, um, which which was in fact a very a very full and filling year. Um, I don't know. Also, some of that might also be just our our own personal habits. Yeah, I definitely think that that's true because there. It's not like big games didn't come out this year. They're just big games that I didn't play. Right? You know, I didn't play The Witcher Three. I didn't play Metal Gear Solid Five. Right? Which I think are going to be a lot of uh, you know topping off a lot of people's lists uh, just because I've never played Metal Gear Solid games and I've never played Witcher games. Um, 
So I just kind of blew them by, and I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's on me. Maybe that's my mistake. No, I, I definitely feel that. I, I definitely think that part and parcel of that is going to be things like Witcher Three. I have a copy. I played it for a little while. I thought the little bit that I played, not enough that I could talk about it really, but uh, I thought that what I played was good. But I also kind of had this attitude shift where like I don't want to play a lot of some like some of these games that I know are going to have big DLC chains attached to them until a lot of their DLC comes out, because I don't, I don't like replaying long games that often, right? Like, I'm probably going to play Deus Ex Human Revolution again this year, and that's the first time I'll have played it since launch. And I don't want to have to go back and complete that content. I'm just it's, it's just not something personally for me that I like to do. But that kind of prevents me from talking about it. Like, I think I'm going to play Dragon's Dogma when it comes out um in a couple... I think it's it's only, like uh, like, a couple weeks now on Steam. And that's, like, the complete the complete edition, but like, I can't call it, talk about that really on a 2016 podcast, except maybe in the context of like best re-release type of deal. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that. Well, it's actually kind of interesting because most games in my like career, you know what I mean? Like I played, I played an entire vanilla run of fallout three, fallout new Vegas, mass effect two, mass effect three. Right. And then I went back and I did a comprehensive run on all of those games. Um, with all of the kind of the DLC. I mean, I've played mass effect two, like 40 fucking times. So I guess that one doesn't really count, but most of those other games, you know, I've played them, uh, I've played them vanilla and then I've played them kind of with these, uh, you know, like the game of the year edition. Uh, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't really, uh, I think some games it works better for, like Skyrim, I never felt like I needed to hold back to wait for the DLC. Fallout 4, similarly, like if the DLC comes out, I feel like I'll be able to integrate that into a playthrough easily enough. That's been Um, a big question, because I'm sure all of the loyal listeners know of my... My my feelings towards Fallout 4, and I, I, you know, I'm pretty confident in this, like, I don't like Fallout 4, and I don't think I'm going to replay it the same way that I've replayed a lot of these other games or whatever, but part of me also is like, well, I do kind of want to see what they're going to do for DLC, so am I going to revisit this one, or am I going to, like, stick to my guns of probably not? (laughs) Yes, yes, my guns of the Patriots. (laughs) Yeah, I also feel bad about Metal Gear Solid 5 because, you know, I'm a big stealth game guy. I really, really like stealth games, and Metal Gear Solid 5 is obviously... You know, it's 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 uh, it can be played, I suppose, as a stealth game. But it's also, um, I guess, I really don't like the way that it Konami. You know, part of this is just like I don't like the way Konami treated Kojima. Uh, yeah, it, through that's all fair. of this stuff, I know some people. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that on case. Well, whatever. I know some people uh, uh, who who worked at Konami and they really got fucked over. Um, which, which bugs me, you know, like on like a, a personal kind of level. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I well, haven't really if, figured out how to parse that. Well, if, if you're a, a true Kojima fan, you'd know that in fact, it's Metal Gear Solid V and that's what Kojima insists on calling it because he wasn't able to fulfill his original vision or something like that. I'm not a real Kojima fan. So this is something that was told to me by, uh, Various and sundry sources. Well, that is interesting. Yeah, I've tried to get into and understand Metal Gear Solid just from a like a historian perspective. Uh, you know, the, it's the same kind of thing that that has made me go back and play classic Mario games or whatever, uh, just to understand like the history. It, it's like it's like going and watching old movies, kind of. Um, yeah. Man, how on earth do people think these games have good story? <laughs> like. 
Whoa, it's ridiculous. It's I I I don't even know. I don't, I don't understand. Watched, I don't get it. I, I've watched the Metal Gear Solid one and two as movies. There's a channel on YouTube. I can't remember it, but I'll put, I'll put a link in the description to the to the playlist because um, I was considering trying to get myself ramped up to play five without having to play the games because no ain't no one got time for that. Like the yeah. the movie for Metal Gear Solid three, I think is like eight hours long or something like that. Um, Fair enough. But uh, it's. I th- always thought the, the stories were interesting, but they were always con like, like like I think part of the charm of the games is their convolution. But enough about a game series that neither of us have played. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is not the yeah. Focus that, of maybe this maybe cast, that should be one of our awards: best best video game that came out that we didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, hey man, I hear the guys at CD Projekt Red are treating their customers very very well, and by that I mean, I don't. I that's just what Boogie said. On his, <laughs> his game of the year was The Witcher Three. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, so I think what we're going to do for the format is we're going to start out with our games of the year. A little bit of an inversion here. That way we can, because um, we, we don't really have a set thing. The way we're going to do this, we're going to do our games of the year because that's kind of like an important one to do, and we don't want to kind of squeeze it in at the end. And then we're going to do. T- we're each going to pick a category, and we're going to alternate categories, um, and just go from there and see, and see how it turns out. So, uh, buddy, what is your game of the year for 2015? I have a feeling that uh, this one might not surprise anybody. It was number two, I believe, on my hype list. Uh, I talked it up a couple of casts ago just because uh, that one specific character really, like, he just floored me. Uh, my, my game of the year is the StarCraft Two expansion slash standalone slash expansion. I'm not really quite sure how they term it. Legacy of the Void. Um, this, you know, it, it, this is just kind of almost uh, endemic of the the uh, the ambivalence I'm feeling about this year as a whole because I really, really love StarCraft II. Uh, it the the Legacy of the Void is so good, and it's and it's so good in in like it's so good in ways that I think are very underappreciated, right? Like. I want to say that it has good writing, and it does. It has it has great writing. It has fantastic writing. But, like, certain things have good writing in certain ways and bad writing in others, right? You know, like, the Star Wars movies come out, so it's pretty easy to talk. Like, the Star Wars prequels have great writing in the sense that the plot is structured in a really interesting way. If I were to just tell you the story of the Star Wars prequels... I bet, like, that sounds great, you know, you're in it, but then you start getting into the specifics of it, and you go plot point by plot point, eh, you know, and then you go, you know, phrasing of dialogue to phrasing of dialogue, and you're like, whoa, you know what I mean? So, like, on one end, somebody says, oh, this has great writing, on another end, somebody says, oh, this has shit writing, and there's, a, it's, it's like, too, too big a category, Legacy of the Void has great writing across the board, top, middle, and bottom, right? You know, it's structured beautifully, and just, like, the minute-to-minute is great, and it's just so, it's so done. And it's so, it's it's something that I haven't seen, you know, uh, it's, it's something I haven't really seen all that much in uh, in games recently, outside of, you know, the kind of typical hardcore indie stuff, or, like, you know, like Telltale or whatever, those kinds of, kinds of games. And I really appreciate that. But also, at the same time, I feel really weird saying that this is my game of the year, because really kind of what I'm saying is, like, Wings of Liberty is my game of the year because the mechanics haven't changed all that much in the five years since StarCraft II 
you know, the, the, the base version came out. I'm playing a, a more or less derivative version of StarCraft II. So, can, can I, you know, like, I, like, can I really stick to this, 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 uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know that I'll be able to stick to this ranking uh, once I get a couple other games that came out this year down my gullet. I'm sure that Undertale could be an upset. I'm sure that these other games we've talked about, Witcher or maybe Metal Gear Solid, if uh, I, I, am, I am that intrigued, uh, could could dethrone it. I don't know, man. It's just it's really tough to it's really tough to go to go in depth on. It's really tough to go in depth on this one because I feel so I'm I'm of so two minds about it. Yeah, no, that's that makes a lot of sense. Um, unfortunately, I haven't played. Um, I never played the campaign for Wings of Liberty. Never bought Heart of the Swarm, <laughs> and I've never played. I didn't. I didn't get Legacy of the Void, so I I can't really speak to it. But I, I definitely feel your your stuff there. Well, just um, in the context. So even in the context of the StarCraft two series, I'm pretty sure Wings of Liberty is still the best. Um, it really. I, I I think the time and care that Blizzard takes in their games is very evident. You know, I really like that they don't announce release dates until, you know, like two or three months out. You know, they're saying, hey, it's going to come out when it's ready. You know, chill, right? Um, and, I, and I like that a lot about Blizzard, and you really feel like they took their time. Uh, but just the story of Wings of Liberty was uh, the most... There was kind of... There, it was the story with the most going on, uh, almost. And there was, there was so many... There were so many layers to it, and Jim Raynor is such a great, well-crafted character. And I don't mean any, like anything against Artanis or Kerrigan; they're both really well-done characters too. But just Jim Raynor is just something—you know—he's he's above and beyond as far as I'm concerned. The thing that I really enjoy about Legacy of the Void in comparison to Wings of Liberty um, is that they didn't kind of rehash the same the same stuff. Uh, whereas Wings of Liberty is. You know, you're playing scrappy Jim Rayner who's uh, you know, putting together uh, and bu- who's building up his forces and his cult of personality almost in order to uh, dethrone Arcturus Mengsk. And eventually, you know, you have this choice. Are you going to are you going to go after Mengsk or are you going to go after Sarah Kerrigan, who is just, you know, she's the queen of blades and she's going to kill everybody. Right. And that and that. That, that feels great, and it's good, but it's not the story that happened in Legacy of the Void, right? Legacy of the Void is about Artanis going around to all of these different factions in the Protoss and banding, you know, like, getting a coalition and banding them all together, and the mechanics really focus on that, which is something that I think is great. Um, I talked about this on another cast, so... I apologize. I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but the upgrades being tied to individual factions inside of your army means that on every single mission you you're mixing and matching, right? And sometimes you have Dark Templar, sometimes you have High Templar. You know, sometimes you have uh, Dark Templar and High Templar being the factions, not necessarily the units. That's super confusing. Um, you know, sometimes you have. Um, the the purifiers who are another faction that you know get in and so you're fighting with this conglomerated army at the same time that you're building this conglomerated army and uh and i like that a lot i I really think that they uh i i really think that they just they handled it so well and the last thing i want to say about legacy of the void because it is almost the most important to me is that when we were talking about our hyped games, I just kind of rattled off a lot of questions that I was really hesitant about, right? You know, like, the Protoss 
communicate telepathically with one another, right? They all exist on one giant mind web and they can just, so how can you have different characters, you know, like how do you have different characters communicating and kind of existing through that? How can I empathize as a human who's never telepathically linked my mind to somebody else? How do I kind of get into that? Okay, why why are we focusing on Artanis when Zeratul has been our window into the Protoss faction for all this time? Why are we focusing on Ayer when all these other games are about touring the galaxy and going planet to planet to planet it um and they answered each and every one of those so perfectly like not even perfectly in the sense of the answers that i was hoping that they would give because the answers that i was hoping for were worse than the answers that they gave me they surprised me at how well they answered these questions and uh that's that's i don't know i i really enjoy the way that this game kind of defied my expectations Anyway, now that I've rattled for like seven minutes straight about <laughs> Legacy of the Void, uh, what was what was your game of the year? Hit me. Yeah, so um, up until this week, I was ready for it to be Fallout 4. I was ready to get into a uh, kickdown or the uh, uh, all-out fight with you about it. Oh god! Start start screaming! Oh but, man, uh, I'm, I was I was ready to, but I'm uh, glad that I'm glad that your mind has changed. <laughs> um, my mind has changed because of a game I played this week. Played the whole thing this week. Um, you know, it drew me enough that I played all of it. It wasn't super long, so it's not like that was a big feat of strength. I actually went back and looked at everything I played this year to make sure that I wasn't forgetting about something, because I kind of don't like to kind of have these kind of like you know under under the line type entries that may, maybe I like this game not because it's actually that good but because I played it last but I, after looking over I'm pretty confident that my game of the year is is Undertale hey didn't um, you know Undertale's the best game ever um <laughs> so says Neogaf or whatever uh you know you say that but it's 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 entered my my top 10 of all time oof jeez um, wow yeah. um it's so one of so it, if uh, if any of our listeners have played the game, Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden, that is one of my favorite silly little indie games of all time. It's a very short game. It's all humor. It's all silly. Um, and what Undertale managed to do is it managed to capture that humor and that mirth that I got out of it, while at the same time having a like a, a serious undercurrent through it that came through in the end. Um, it also managed to surprise me in many ways. It had a couple of twists and turns. Um, I was ready to kind of be like, this game isn't as good as everybody hyped it up to be, but it, it really is. Um, and it's, it's funny because, um, the mechanics of the game aren't super complicated. In fact, I, I did, um, a true pacifist run. Um, I didn't, I didn't do a genocide run. I watched somebody else do it on the internet. Uh, so sue me. Um, but like the mechanics there aren't super compelling cause a lot of it is, well, actually, that's that's not true. There, there's some very good mechanics for the defensive portion. It's 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 a JRPG style game for those that don't know. You've got essentially one attack option, and then when the enemy attacks you, you can control your your character and kind of uh, avoid attacks. And I thought that was very well done. But it felt kind of um, it feels kind of weird when you're playing true pacifist because you're essentially waiting for conditions to pop up that let you not kill anything. Um, which I thought was handled fairly well, but what really, but if the game had just been that, I don't think I would have been as satisfied with it. What, what made the game really great was the story and the characters and, and, you know, on top of that, the humor. Um, and at the end, there were even some twists that I wasn't expecting. There were some that I saw, but there were some that I completely wasn't expecting 
there was there's some excellent um kind of mind fucks that come in towards the end where like the uh the in in not to spoil too much because i really want everybody out there including you buddy to go out and play this game but there's some excellent questions about like the game world itself that come out in the very end in kind of like very interesting ways um uh just the 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 depth like like there's no there's not really there's no real dialogue choice there there are some but they're not meaningful but like you still feel like you're a kind of an active participant in the conversation. To be clear, what do you? How would you define meaningful dialogue choices? So there are times when you could say like yes or no, and the difference is is like the next couple lines of dialogue, right? Like, um, to to use one that is um, see that's that's funny and not too much of a spoiler. One of the characters asks you, "Is anime real?" and you can answer yes or no, and um. And the the difference will be like the next couple lines of dialogue it doesn't really affect the story in any, in any major way. The biggest interesting. I actually uh, not to interrupt too hard or anything, but I just want to like parse this out. So The Walking Dead tw- from twenty twelve, right? The Telltale game. You've uh, you've played that. Sure. Have you played any of their other? Um, you know. I have. I have not. They released like I yeah, I'm watched just saying, a playthrough re- of, uh, of of The Walking Dead season one. I did not uh, play it myself. Okay, well, so controversially, I, I think this has been been a thing. It's one of those things that gets touted out by the kind of uh, anti-game people who you know, like who say that this isn't a game, right? Uh, for one reason or another, because your your choices in the end they don't really matter all that much, right? Like for at sure. the beginning of The Walking Dead, you're going to make your choices, and it's going to kind of veer here or there uh, for a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're going to end up in the same spot. With this, with the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, these people say those choices don't matter uh, because you know they kind of get erased. You you only veer out of the story for a little bit before you kind of veer back in. Would is this a similar thing? Um, I'm gonna say it's different because it's not like the game. I don't think the game wants you to believe that these choices are particularly meaningful. Like the meaningful choice you you make one big meaningful choice in the game from the very beginning and it's how much are you going to kill um and that's the only big choice in the game and that choice is actually very meaningful um even just watching through a genocide playthrough the the, it changes the entire candor of the game um in fact watching through the genocide playthrough i was like i can't play through this because it's too it's too soul-wrenching um but um the dialogue choices i don't think were ever i don't think they ever were intended to be anything meaningful they're all like the yes or no questions to answers were kind of like throwaway answers. Like I said, right? Like when, the, when your question is, is anime real? It's not going to be something that's, it's like something to serve the humor of the game rather than something to differentiate a story point. Um, your, your choices are in your actions, not in your dialogue choice. Like, um, and, and like, like, like I said, it just doesn't fit with, with your kind of conception about the walking dead because, I don't think it was ever like the walking dead wants you to believe that those choices are meaningful. Um, and there's also, um, just kind of speaking to your, uh, kind of like broader theory, there's series that like, or there's kind of like these ideas in gaming that, um, you can have meaningful dialogue choices, um, and you can have unmeaningful ones, but the ones that feel meaning, it's important for the, them to feel meaningful in the moment, even if they aren't, um, if you're going for that type of game, but I don't think these game these these dialogue choices in Undertale ever 
tried to feel meaningful in the moment. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm squarely in that camp that you just described, right? Like, the, whether or not the, the choices mean anything, right? It's about the it's about you making the choice, not about the effect of the choice as it as it kind of goes on, uh, so to speak. And so it's one of those things where like you kind of have to be rolling with the emotional boulder of the game in order to like really experience those games almost at their truest or like what the, what like the design of these choices are supposed to be like even I, I've played plenty of telltale games after, after the walking dead. And even though I know fun functionally that uh, these, they're all structured the same way. These choices aren't going to matter in in like an effects like way they still make me feel different, right? The choice that I make makes me feel different, and that's the meaningful pit of it, right, as Ooh. it's being made. Huh. Does that make sense? It does. It, I, I, underst- I understand what you're saying. Um, and I honestly, I think I have some deeper thoughts on it too, but I don't think I want to go into it here. I think that's actually, um, this is going to become a, a running theme on this podcast, but that that sounds like something that's part of a different podcast, like exploring that. Like, uh, maybe we do that as part of our Definitions podcast Oof. that we were the talking defi- about. The Definitions podcast is going to be, like, 14 hours long. Can uh, we... Or when, when, when do we get to talk about how every game has a narrative and a protagonist manga? Oof. Uh, the, Definitions, <laughs> the Definitions podcast is going to be 14 hours long, and the entire description is going to be linked to dictionary.com definitions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you too much. No, no. Uh, abs- I wanted absolutely. to know, obviously. Absolutely. I... I so just just to be clear, I brought up that they technically have dialogue choices because you know I'm kind of a pedant, and they do have you do have dialogue choices, but they are entirely meaningless, and they're not trying to be meaningful. Like I said, the biggest choice in that game is how much you kill, and that really comes out a lot, and it really affects the candor of the game, and I love it. I love it so much. I love all of the little different things that the enemies are. Like there's an enemy called a Sundare plane. Uh, and it's just like it's so dumb but it's so perfect and it fits so well in this world and it's the the world just feels al- alive in in a weird way it's it's i don't know i love the game i rec- highly recommend it to everybody out there i think that um if you like story in a game definitely check it out it's um it's what like right now with steam sales on until it's like 8 bucks and it's like 16 bucks with the um soundtrack um, definitely get that too. This, you know, if 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 I was gonna do a best soundtrack of the year, which I can't because it's always going to be Undertale. It's Undertale. Um, if you if you're interested, check out a song called Megalovania. Um, I'll I'll link a, a link to YouTube Oof. in in the description. It is just <laughs> so good. Um, be- best soundtrack of the year would be a good way to get me to praise Fallout Four. Just because I do, I like the Fallout 4 soundtrack a lot. I think it is very well done. It's done by a guy named. Uh, I, I've been doing a lot of research on game soundtracks recently for the reason of we're starting up Hell's Rebels and I'm I'm building my uh, soundtrack like list uh, like all of these playlists for it. And I'm very torn on whether or not I want to use Fallout 4 tracks because I think they're going to be recognizable just because we've all played it. You know, like, or most of us have have played it and we've heard these tracks, but I just, I think the tracks are so good at kind of, that you know, putting you, putting you on a train to, like, emotion land and bringing you into that emotion station. Uh, but yeah, it's a guy named Enon Zur who does all of the, um, the Dragon Age soundtracks, which I also think are quite good. I think you should definitely play 
crawl out through the fallout in the middle of Hell's Rebels. I think that would be. Oh yeah, I mean, no, yeah. <laughs> I mean not that. I mean just like the yeah, actual no, I base. Know. It's also it's also a very long show. It's like eight hours long. Uh, no, it's not true. It's like it's like three and a half hours long, which is about the same length as the Skyrim soundtrack. Which, by the way, woo boy, are you guys in for some Skyrim? Yeah, no, I I, I did the same thing for my uh, for my Rune Lords game. I downloaded the Skyrim soundtrack, and because it's very good atmosphere atmospheric music, it's good music to have play. Like sometimes it's hard to have music playing while things happen. Actually, just to bring it back to Undertale, um, something the Undertale soundtrack does really well is that like. Your atmospheric music is very good and kind of very good at being in the background and not screwing with you too much. And when you get into a boss fight, all of the bosses have these have this very distinctive music that really kind of like plays to their character well, and it really accentuates the fight, which is part of why I think the soundtrack is so successful and part of why I think the game as a whole is so successful. Um, just these amazing songs that really set the mood and the tone for the fight that you're having. Um, it's just it's so good um it's you know it's, it's that's it's, actually pretty interesting because i i agree with you that I, especially as i've been doing this like research almost right like i'm pulling a lot of stuff from movies and television just for the obvious reasons um you know the battlestar galactica soundtrack has great stuff just like i i've used it for years for my D games it's probably like the fu- the like the foundational soundtrack in terms of um you know, just it, it has so many different tracks that are also good at com- communicating this stuff. But no soundtracks loop as good as game soundtracks do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, but people always have when when you look up like oh D and D soundtracks, right? Like D and D playlists, right? Ever people always have the Lord of the Rings in there just because I think it's it's you know high fantasy, obviously. Uh, but the Lord of the Rings tracks loop terribly like three or four tracks loop well and those are the most like outspokenly recognizable tracks right like you know the three hunters right you know like everybody knows that it loops really well but it's so distractingly lord of the rings that like i never want to use it um but you know stuff in skyrim right like the you know there you know the music that plays ambiently when you're just in white run right that music loops perfectly and you could just have it running for 30 minutes and nobody would notice cuz it just it it's it's so good um, yeah no and I, I think this is actually this is actually i think one of the the bigger strengths of of uh of this game too is that like because it's it's a it's a jrpg style where the combat all happens on like a a separate screen um like that music can can change at that moment kind of like you know like dun, dun, yeah dun, yeah dun, like I in pokemon <laughs> um which is what i was doing i was not doing an undertale song i was doing a pokemon <laughs> song but uh but like and not only on top of that all of that music loops perfectly because it has to because the fights can be kind of long um and i i don't know i i highly recommend the, the game and the soundtrack um uh, just just for anybody out there, um, I would be remiss in saying that I'm going to link to Megalovania, but um, some people would tell you that you shouldn't listen to that until you've done all three playthroughs of the game. Um, so I won't say anything more because that just spoils a little bit too much. Um, so if if you're that concerned about it, just wait. Um, but it's I think it's the best track on the album. Um, Otherwise, I don't think I have a lot more to say about Undertale right now because, like I said, I, I don't. A lot of the things that make that game great are kind of like these individual moments that I can't really talk about unless you've played the game. 
Um, Fair so enough. at some point, we if if you end up playing it, we'll do a spoiler cast on it. But, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that I will get to it. Uh, not all that far off in the future. Um, yeah. Well, so I think I got the first. I I slightly got the first one in with uh, with the soundtrack point. So why don't you suggest uh, a category? To, to do uh, I'm sure I don't. Uh, I'm sure this isn't going to surprise anyone when I say that I'm a very story and character focused uh, player and. I suppose, what are we, casters? Am I a player-focused caster? Are we Are we doing game criticism at this point? Anyway, uh, navel-gazing aside, who, who who is the best, you know, like, character um, that you've played as or you've, uh, you know, seen in your, or in your games uh, this year? So just an individual character, not a game? Yeah, yeah, just an individual character from any any game. Also, by the way, I'd like to like clarify that this also includes like performance. I think something that just gets undersold in games generally is the performance of actors, right? Like I think uh I think you know, there are there are a certain well-written characters that have lackluster performances and there are certain kind of mediocre characters that have great performances. So, feel free to accomp- or, uh to, you know, Okay, change so, your answer based on that, I suppose. Okay, so this this is a character I've played, like just a character that has happened in a game that I have observed. Yeah. Um. Okay. It's well, like I guess this is our best actor award. Okay. Um. <laughs> wait. Does it does it have to go to like, uh whatever. Um. How about you do yours first? Since this is your category. While I'm all over Oof. my choices. Fair enough. Okay. My uh. Man, it is it is a little tough because this is a big toss up, but I'll, I'll explain the toss up between the two. the The award goes to Alarak, who I explained a little bit about before in um in another cast in Starcraft Two. How he's just such a great, he's so well spoken, and he has these beautiful quotes. Uh, I read off a quote about you know like, oh, I defer to you as the fool. It's just one of those. He's one of those guys. He has these great one liners, and and he's so perfect. But I think. You know, I was thinking about it a little bit more in depth because I was like, is this actually a good character? Is there more? To, is he just one dimensional? And I just really like the dimension that I'm shown. But I actually think that there's more to Alarak. I think he's more well-rounded than that. And so uh, in order to explain this, I'm going to spoil a little bit about Legacy of the Void. I apologize if anybody hasn't played that game because whatever. But just be aware that this is a, a kind of mild spoiler Um you know, like a medium spoiler. Um, Alarak heads up the Taldarim. The Taldarim have been uh, enemies. They're like Protoss enemies who worship the Zelnaga as gods. Um, in the previous two StarCraft games, even in... You actually fight Alarak at first uh, in Legacy of the Void. But when Amon, the big, big bad, uh, who's this ancient Zelnaga who's trying to destroy the universe uh, in order to remake it in his own image... Um, when Amon kind of trips that this is his plan and he takes control of the Taldarim, uh, he mind controls them in order to get there, Alarak joins up with Artanis and is like, no, this is bullshit, right? This isn't what I fucking signed up for. Amon, you are, you know, like, Amon is the worst and I am going to stop him, right, from destroying my people. And I, and over the course of the game, you know, you play with Alarak and you actually help Alarak take over the incredibly autocratic, incredibly brutal uh, Taldarim system, like like system of government where it's all it's all a hierarchy. And so, 
you basically have to turn Alarak into Hitler or like Stalin. But he's going to be Hitler or Stalin working with you to help you fight the guy who's going to destroy the universe. And it's it, it's a really interesting dynamic, mostly because of how it reflects on Artanis. Artanis is trying to create this great coalition of Protoss, right? And he laments that the Protoss have created these petty lines between one another, you know, between Dark Templar and High Templar and Taldarim and High Templar and the Purifiers and everything. Um... And Alarak is is showing him a different viewpoint that he has to consider, and eventually he almost has to agree with to a certain extent. And you can see this young leader being uh, kind of formed by not in, not just Alarak, but in all of the you know all of the different leaders that kind of come up for these factions. And I think that that interaction is really what is what sells it so hard for me. Is that not only is he you know he's funny and he's got these one liners, but he's got an like an ethos you know he believes in something um and he interacts with these characters in a way that that ethos it makes sense but there's also that pathos of like he wants to save his people he's doing what he thinks uh, is best for his people and i and i think that all kind of combines together to make him you know my standout game uh my standout you know character of the year but i do want to give an honorable mention to someone I've also talked about on this cast because she is the absolute greatest and she is the like the like story story light in the darkness of Fallout 4 Piper my god I don't understand Piper I don't understand how she's in this game because every everything you know all of the the story and the writing of these characters in this game they're all so kind of bland and mediocre uh, and straightforward right but Piper is so well written and so dynamic and she's and the voice actor she performs so well i was just so engrossed and i and i there was a while where i thought i was about to forgive fallout 4 for his transgressions because i was like oh my god if all of these companions are like piper then we're golden right like we're, we're solid we got everything uh and then alas the rest of the companions are kind of middling uh and 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 mediocre i guess certain certain of them are better than others right you know nick valentine is, less is talking there. more fighting yeah oh god strong uh yeah nick yeah, valentine is He's, he, you know, he's pretty good. Honestly, uh, the the voice actor for him kind of soured me a little bit. He didn't really sell uh, an emotional range. I didn't really believe that that was a person, if that makes sense. Like he 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 was he was such a such a party member. I don't know. Uh, but Piper was just so good. And in a world without Alarak, like I would be so fine with giving this this to Piper. Like she she's up there with some of the you know she's up there with Garrus and. And, uh, you know, Cassandra and, you know, uh, uh, th these, the, like, the greatest of the Bioware companions. That's where Piper belongs up there. And she is by far, like, by far, far, far the best companion to come out of any of these uh, Bethesda games. Mostly because Lydia's only line is, I'm sworn to carry your burdens. It's a pretty good line, though. It is. I actually really enjoy that in Skyrim because... Uh, you know, it, it it gives you a dimension for her character, but it's so light. You know, she yeah. she just has to say that in that sardonic way, and we all know that like Lydia, you know, is just like constantly rolling her eyes at all of this kind of thing, and you kind of get to imagine into it. But yeah, the beauty that is the Skyrim and how much I love that game is is not uh, is notwithstanding, I suppose. Not for this cast. <laughs> all right, so so I've thought about my my answer, 
And it's kind of a toss-up, because I could talk about Sans and Papyrus and Undyne, who are all characters from uh, from Undertale. Um, but there's one that's also up there, and I think in the interest of variety, I'm going to focus on her, who I thought was equally as well. And that's um, the character of Hannah from the game Her Story. Um, now, if you guys haven't played Her Story, it's a indie game. Um, it's relatively short. You can get it on Steam. It is probably the best full motion video game ever just because it's the, I think the only good full motion video game ever. Um, but, um, the, what, what happens is, is you're a person sitting at this computer of a, um, which this computer has like recordings of these interviews in a police station that were done with this, this woman, Hannah, um, and you can't look at all of the files, like, they're not indexed anyway, but you can search for them. You can say, you can, like, put in a word, and if the word matches anything in the tra transcription, it'll show up, and you can watch the video clip. Um, and if there's too many of them, you actually, there's, like, a limit of, like, I think, like, three or five, um, that you can, uh, that, uh, the number of clips that'll come up if, if you search the word and there's too many clips that match it, um, it's very it's very neat in that kind of like you know like oh it looks it's like an old computer it can only give you the first five results type of deal, but what happens in that is you piece together this story right like this is a game that you know might some people might say isn't say isn't really a game because there's like the puzzle is essentially can you figure out what words to search in so you can get the whole story, and this entire story is told through the lens of this woman reporting on what's happened, um, and giving these answers to a police officer um and trying to piece together what's happening um and she really sells it like she tells this story that it's at, at some moments is 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 crazy engaging and heartbreaking all at the same time all by herself right like this woman is the entirety of this performance and it's like the closest thing i could think of is, is have you seen um Oh, what's it's it's a Ryan Reynolds movie where he's stuck in a box underground. Um, he's like a, I know the movie that you're talking about. I haven't seen it. I think yeah. it's called, I think it's just like called Buried or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Um, and even in that movie, there are other characters that talk to Ryan Reynolds. This entire game, like the person behind the camera, like you kind of have to assume what the questions are. Um, it's all all on 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 the uh, on this actress and on 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 Hannah, the character, and she tells this beautiful story that's um, a little bit weird, but a lot of fun and just crazy, because you see, like, um, you, you end up seeing pieces of the story um, in different places, and you kind of have to piece it together, kind of not unlike uh, um, another movie reference, um, Memento, um, where you kind of see different pieces and, and nothing really flows together, right, because you're not quite sure what happens where, but eventually you put, put this together and it's just done so perfectly. Um, another game that I would recommend to everybody to play that one's much shorter. Um, but it's, I, that, that really, she really sold that story for me. And as the, how, for how much I enjoyed that game being rest, like that entire game resting on the shoulders solely of that, of that character. I think she deserves character of the year for me. Fair enough. Uh, just to be clear, better than Papers, Please, which is the only other like no motion um, game I can think of. Well, Papers, Please, 
the character like there's no character in Papers Please that like does it for me. Also, did Papers Please come? Sure, out sure. No, Papers Please came out in 2013. Okay. But uh, I'm just I'm just wondering because it's the I'm trying to think of no motion games, uh, and it's the only other one I can oh, think no, of no, off the full, top of my head. Are, are Sorry? you are you talking about my full motion video comment? No, like, oh, I thought I thought. Oh, I didn't realize what you said. I thought you said no motion. No, no, full like motion. FMV, full motion video. Because it's oh, like, oh god, like, that makes so much sense. I understand. Yeah, I understand. it's it's like actual recordings of this woman. Um, the older games in this style were usually pretty bad. They were like, like they tried to do like 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 rail shooters with them, and they barely yeah, worked. Yeah, yeah. I now now I totally uh, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah, I was like, what a weird category, but it, it's totally a category that sounds like an indie game, right? You know, like a person sitting at a desk doing a thing. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I guess there's a genre for that. No, I, I meant full motion, but that, that that would be an interesting category. To try and bring up, but that's not the category that I'm going to talk about next. Next, I think I'm going to go for best multiplayer experience of this year, and I'm going to give that to Rocket League. Uh, geez, you know, looking at my list, the only game that has like a multiplayer experience to speak of, I guess Attila technically has a multiplayer experience, but yeah, Rocket League is kind of the only one. I guess Legacy of the Void also has a multiplayer experience, but. You know. Yeah, but just to talk about it for a little while, that game is that game's. I mean, we've played it together. That game's super fun, right? Like, so I, I have I have weird thoughts about this game. Okay. But, uh, yes, I can one hundred percent agree with you. It is super fun. Okay, so I, I'm interested in those thoughts, but just to like set the scene a little bit, it's uh, you know, it's you play soccer with cars. That that that's about it, um, and you can kind of like peer into a little bit else about the world like if you look outside the the rink it's like this is like a major sport in this world and like there's like like villages dedicated to it and stuff that you can see like some people have hacked outside the map to look at different things happening around outside the maps but it's just so clean it's it's one of those it's one of those games that feels like you know it takes like 15 minutes to figure out how the game works and like forever to to master because you can do some really crazy stuff flying through the air and hitting things and like the the teamwork there is is great and like it's just imprecise enough that if you screw up like most of the time it's like oh man i didn't do that right rather than like you know or like oh man good try rather than oh man you're such a you're such a screw up why would you do that then um as is easy to happen in lee because that league's built around less about like um mastery of controls and more around uh League is built more around like uh you know like like tactics, whereas this game is about like can you can you like personally skillfully maneuver your car well and if you can't it's like well that's something to practice mechanically rather than um tactics. Not that tactics are completely absent, obviously, but I think that like the the, the fun in the mastery of that game comes out of the mechanics. And well, I think I think that's definitely because uh, you know it, it feels a lot like League has a basis in. RPG-ish kind of mechanics. Sure. Um, whereas Rocket League has a basis quite clearly in racing mechanics, uh, which, you know, which are about fine-tuning. I, I, I imagine it's also pretty similar to a lot of, like, super fine-tuned, uh, you know, like, Super Meat Boy has the same kind of, like... Sure. Precision. It's about, it's about like, precision. I don't know. Yeah. Also sports games, because ultimately it is... It is a- a kind of weird hybrid future sports game. 
But uh, do, do you, you said you had some deeper thoughts on it. I, I yeah, so I, I've been thinking a lot about, I mean, this is good, this is going to come out, I imagine, uh, in full force when we do a definitions podcast. But just, uh, I've been thinking a, a lot about games as art and games as uh, uh, sport. And I kind of think that it's a pretty useful, like, di- like diaspora to kind of think about things. Because I don't think, you know, I don't think Rocket, Rocket League isn't good art. You know, like, the, it has nothing in common with other things that I think of as being, you know, good art. But it has so much in common with what I think of as being good sport, right? And uh, and I think that, you know, it obviously gets a little bit fuzzier when you get into other territories. But Rocket League is so fundamentally focused on just being a great sport that, like, you – it's – that 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 it really like shines in that uh, in that way like under that lamp almost. Um, I I have I suppose I've had a little bit of a different experience playing Rocket League because Rocket League very quickly became uh, a little bit like league for me in the sense of it was one of those things where the first couple of games I was just dicking around and and having fun and you know doing whatever. But then as time got on, I did start taking it more seriously and I did start holding myself to a higher you know standard of play. And I got pissed when I missed a shot or you know I'd get frustrated with one of our friends if he you know bumped me out of my my scoring goal. Kind of you know what I mean? Like it very it very quickly escalated. I think that that just might be how I interface with sport games in general, right? Like I can't help but uh, get into a try hard mindset. But uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think my point there was was less about like you know. I think we can all get aggravated if like one person is goofing off or whatever. But my my point there was like it's 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 less about bad decision making and more about mechanical skill. And so it's easy, it's easier to I think forgive mechanical failures because it's just something that you you screwed up right and it's not like i don't know this is, this is i think a, a Ooh, deeper discussion. wow that's kind of a that's a philo- like a philosophy i think it's easier it's, to forgive mechanical failures man i don't think i can for well i do mm, yeah mm. I, I think it's also something to to kind of like that maybe this isn't the right place to do it but something that can be dug into a little bit like you know there's also if you screw up a mechanical thing, no one's ever going to be like, no, I meant to do it that way for the most part, right? Like when people make bad tactical or what, you know, what you claim are bad tactical decisions, they might argue that, um, that, you know, that they may in fact be the correct tactical decision. Um, and so like that, that just causes a lot of tension there. Yeah, that's, uh, I, 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 I get what you're getting at. Um, I don't really forgive tactical failures are, in my mind, uh, you know, you're a little bit more culpable for them, but you were very culpable for mechanics failures at, in, in the same way. Like, I don't really forgive people for bad mechanics. I just kind of, inc- like, I, I account for that, right? Like, if I know that one of my friends is just really bad at playing this thing, uh, then I do my very best to make up for what I know will be their failure, right? And I think the fact that I can just predict the fact that, hey, listen, this person is not good at playing Assassins in the mid lane, you know, that that makes it feel better than the in the moment of, uh, you know, because you're always assuming that people are going to make the, like, the perfect tactical decision, uh, if that makes sense. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, uh... I, I definitely feel like I said, I think we can explore that deeper at some point. I don't know if in the middle of, of this podcast is the right place to do it. Yeah, fair um, enough. See, the, and the other thing is, I see, if I were to, if I were to talk about uh, multiplayer games this year, 
I've definitely played better multiplayer games this year. Like, Le well, I, I think League will probably just be the dominant multiplayer. Like, I think League is just the best designed, uh, best multiplayer experience I've had for the past couple of years running. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Trying to think, yeah, what other... I mean, it's also, like, how do I equate League and Payday, uh, which is tougher. Or, like, League and, like, World of Warcraft. I really enjoy World of Warcraft... I don't know. They're almost incomparable to a certain extent. Sure. In the same way that it's kind of hard to compare, I think, League to, say, like something like Street Fighter. Um, yeah, yeah, that is actually definitely true. Um, yeah, that is tough. I mean, I definitely put the most hours into League. If there's any reason I didn't do The Witcher or, you know, uh, uh, the uh, – what was the other one that we were talking about? Metal Gear Solid Five. It's because I have put, you know, hundreds of hours into League and World of Warcraft and Payday and Hearthstone, right? Like, my top five by hour games of the year aren't going to be any of the ones that I – on my list, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right, then. Well, uh, that's that was our multiplayer experience. Buddy, what's your next uh, category? Um, Discounting – whatever genre undertale is in right um or what whatever genre you would say undertale was in like what 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 is like your unsung kind of game of the year uh is is a better way for me to phrase this right like um yeah i, yeah, I, I yeah, think undertale's one. been pretty sung not 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 just by me but by like the gaming community at, at large um but yeah why don't, why don't you give me yours and then i will i will i will think over my over my God. options. Yeah, you know, I, I probably should have thought about this a little bit. I, I have a couple of answers that, like, are, like, competing for space, but I think really it comes down to Total War Attila. Um, and this is another one of, like, the StarCraft, you know, I feel a little bit ambivalent about this because really I'm giving this award to Total War Rome because it's, you know, so many of the mechanics are the functionally exact same. Um, but I really like Attila, and I just, I really love these Total War games, man. They're so good. And I, I think Creative Assembly has got into a very good clip, um, where the games are balanced and strategic, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're good, and they're interesting, and there's a lot going on. Um, I play a lot of strategy games, and... You know, I started off kind of like everybody with, like, The Civs and The Sim Cities, but as I've become more hardcore of a strategy game fan, I'm beginning to realize how much I crave, like, complication and complexity uh, in these mechanics, right? Like, the best strategy game of all time, and my favorite strategy game of all time, will be Europa Universalis 4, and it's almost entirely on the back of it just, there's so many systems. And I think, you know, I, I, I have yet... Europa Universalis 4 is the most complex strategy game I have ever played in my entire life. And I, I'm almost... Is there, like... When when is the drop-off? When do are there too many systems that these strategy games stop being great for me? Uh, it's just uh, tough to answer. But I think Attila, uh, Attila is really good. And I just want to, like, say... You know, Creative Assembly is taking a lot of heat because of all this stuff with... Uh, you know, P apparently Rome 2 was reviled on launch same thing with attila same thing with warhammer with all of this drama that we talked about in our dlc episode and i think they really you know they deserve some credit for being uh 
you know, for, for demonstrating the, the best practices of their genre, you know, they're, they're not dice who puts out a battlefront who, which is just kind of like, eh, and mediocre, right? They, they, these strategy games are all great. And they're also, uh, they're, they're top of the, you know, top of the genre. And, you know, I went back to go play Shogun 2 earlier this year, like before I even got or played Attila. And it, that game is like, almost unplayable in in a certain way because um so many little things have been improved by rome 2 and by attila that i can't help but i don't know i i, I just feel like that's really worth celebrating and i don't think that it's going to be on anybody's you know it's not going to be on anybody's game of the year list it's not going to like break down any barriers no uh, walls or anything like i that, definitely but. see what you're saying and i definitely uh, specifically, your point about like not being able to go back to the older games, just because even though they were excellent games, there's so there's so much incremental improvement that it's hard t- to play. Like one of my favorite games of all time was was Rome One. Um, I love that game. I played the games for hours. When I wasn't playing it when I was a kid, I used to stare at the map I had of the campaign world and plan out what I was going to do next. That way, I didn't have to kind oh, of. Oh man, yeah, uh, I know that. Yeah, there. <laughs> back in the days when, you know, I had, like, limited amounts of computer time. Um, so, like, you know, that kind of thing, you know, right before Rome 2 came out, I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy Rome 1. It's, like, five bucks on Steam. I'm going to get back into this kind of mindset. And I load it up and, like, you know, oh, that's a little bit clunky. I can deal with this. Get into my first battle. And it's just like, oh, my God, how did I ever play this game? I know, oh. I know that feeling one hundred percent. I've like, had it with so many, with so many games. Yeah, no, um, I, ab- absolutely. It's like, well, you oh, know, that's why this is why I auto resolved every battle, not because <laughs> I was just... <laughs> something. Something that I've started doing recently is I'm going back for for a big Mass Effect playthrough because I haven't done it on PC and because you know it's just been a while. You know, I just I I have to I have to go back to the well. And you know, it's funny because Mass Effect One is a very clunky game, right? And they haven't figured out what really makes this game tick and everything, but for some reason, I'm still into it. You know, like, it hasn't... The same thing happened with Fallout 3, right? Like, I could see the same stuff. I went and I did a Fallout 3 playthrough before Fallout 4 came out, and I I can see the gears working, but I still could get... I could, I could still go into it. I could still, uh, you know, get through it. But there are just some games that I it is impossible for me to go back into. Um, I tried to do a replay... I've tried to do a replay of Dragon Age Origins, like, 50 times at this point. Because, very famously, I, I don't like that game, and I think Dragon Age 2 is better. And, you know, I, I always want to go back. And, I, and, you know, did, did I just have one playthrough that was too good or whatever? Did I do it wrong or something? But I just, I can't do it. It's so clunky. It drives me insane. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be able to kind of uh, come around to it. But, yeah, anyway, what 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 would be your uh, undersold, uh, underappreciated underrated game of the year um i think i'm gonna go with uh victor vran have you heard of this game yes i have heard of this game um actually so kind of i bought it on a sale at some point as as i do with a lot of these games and kind of when i'm like huh why don't i install it and play it for a little while and then the next kind of three days were just me screwing around with this game this like amazing diablo style game um, most of your skills are determined by 
the weapon that you choose to use rather than by the uh uh, than by like choose like you know choosing skills as you do in Diablo three, um, you get a couple of choices on um, like demon powers which are individually selectable skills and everything's kind of upgradable. And then you know as I dig into it, it's like oh all these maps you can get like star ratings on them. There are different challenges associated with them, and you get more experience and more um, uh, you know ability you know and, and more rewards based on that. And they all have secrets, and then. Um, as I'm digging into it, it's also like, oh, and then there's this thing that lets you combine different different recipes to kind of, like, spit out new items. And, oh, this game is, like, all of the depth and all of the crazy systems in something like Diablo 3. Like, it has it has all of that those kind of, like, things that you expect out of, like, a very well well-polished game, right? Like, things, like, that you expect in, like, a patch for... Of 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 a game that's kind of like you know like oh well we only have six things to modify now and people have hit them too many times so we're gonna add a thing seven that way people have more things to obsess over for the next um, bit of content and that's all there on launch and it's got the same type of depth and the same type of, <coughs> of like scaling up that you can do um and unlike Diablo leveling up the character is not just like you know. A holding period until you can start getting the real game which is like gear and, and rifts like that whole game is fun and like it's it feels it feels good if it you know the the mechanics of playing the game just feel great um the challenges in the levels are all suitably challenging and then at some point like you know i i never even hit the cap but like you can do the same type of re- repeating when you do hit the cap um in, in terms of like keep keeping uh keeping the, the 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 different pieces going and just um I haven't heard anybody talk about this game and it's crazy to me because things seem well balanced um like nobody else among a friend group plays but I could see us sinking some hours into it in that, in that kind, same kind of way that we do with Diablo three um without having to have like that hour of powered up guy grinds us to the top level that way we have like decent characters. Um, I'm just so surprised that nobody's talking about this game at all. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Jeez. Yeah. I, uh, I. I've heard of it. I think only through you. So. Fair enough. I guess. Uh, you. You. So you. You haven't played it at all. At all. I haven't played it at all. I don't. I haven't even purchased it. I just. You've told me a little bit about it. No. I'm not a huge fan of Diablo games. Uh, unfortunately, you know, like I have Diablo three, and Diablo three is basically the only one I've ever really played to any extent uh, i played a little bit of diablo 2 with people but um you know it was uh we mostly stuck to things like starcraft and warcraft 3 custom maps when we were all playing stuff together and maybe would put an hour or two into diablo 2 uh you know so it is uh i don't know it is it is it is interesting uh yeah huh well i guess it's my turn to pick pick a topic so let me let me let me think for a second um i think i'm going to go with um it's kind of mundane but i'm going to pick it because my answer is interesting i'm going to go with uh best first person shooter of the year and i'm going to give that (laughs) i'm going to give that to splatoon um it's unique it's colorful the gameplay is competitive in the same way that any other fps is um, the move, like, in terms of new things to do, like, Splatoon has it, right? Like, you, you, the game isn't actually about, you know, it's not about deathmatch, it's about covering the, the map of paint, which I think is an 
excellently cool new game mode to kind of like freshens up the genre. The fact that you can swim through the ink like a squid and it gives you so much mobility and you can launch your allies on the map um, just puts a whole new spin on the game. It's got the same type of weapon depth and complexity that you'd expect out of an FPS. There's, you know, a, uh, maybe not as many uh, like individual variations like you don't have like six different assault rifles with like minutiae of different stats but there's enough classes of weapons in the game to uh to kind of give you that kind of variety that you're looking for um you know just and it's it's cute it's it's fun it's it's um and it's got probably the best uh loading mini game i've played on a game this year um, when you're waiting for a match, you can, like, you play a little squid on your, on the gamepad and jump around. Um, not super crazy about the aim controls, but you can turn them off, just play it like a regular twin stick shooter. Um, and I, I just had a blast with it all this year. I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Go play Splatoon. <laughs> Man, you really wanted to make me give an award to Fallout 4, didn't you? Fallout 4 is, by the way, my friend's. The only thing that could be construed as a first-person shooter that I've played this year. Um, Wait, really? Wow, I, I didn't even intend for this no, to be... No, seriously. This is my list. This is my list. These are the games I've played this year. Fallout 4, Mad Max, Attila, Endless Legend, uh, which is a strategy game, games, the Game of Thrones Telltale game, Pillars of Eternity, Rocket League, and Legacy of the Void. Those are all of the games that were released this year that I played uh, that uh, you know that I played this year. Uh, so Fallout Four is the only one that is close to a first person shooter on that list. Even though I played other you know like first person like Payday Two is is obviously a first person shooter that I've spent way more hours in uh, and that I like a lot better. But I will humor you for for this. I do think this Fallout game is the best shooter mechanics that these fall that any of these last three fallout games have gotten to but i will say in reviewing fallout 3 i don't actually think the shooting mechanics were all that bad in fallout 3 as much as they were like not shooting mechanics right like like i think fallout 3 was designed a little bit too much in the sense of it's an rpg for instance something i learned quite quickly is that like even if you shoot even if you like aim your reticule on top of a guy right if i have 15 gun skill and i'm and there's like no way my my reticule's right on his fucking dick there's no way I'm going to miss that dick if I'm playing a, a first-person shooter. Well, you're playing an RPG, and there's a mischance, and you have 13 gun skill. So it's just going to, like, veer off in some direction that looks terrible. Like, you're just going to blatantly, blatantly miss. And I think that that feels terrible, right? Um, because, you know, Fallout 3 feels, to a certain extent, like it's a first-person shooter. But it's a very, very RPG mechanic. Um it's the same thing as the as you know missing in missing in vets, and something that Fallout Four did is it tightened up that. And they basically said goodbye to that whole system, right? It used to be that as you get better and better with you know energy weapons or small guns or whatever, your your accuracy got better, right? Until you got one to one kind of accuracy and you were no longer like plinking a shot off of you know off in the middle of nowhere, which just feels terrible. Um, but in Fallout 4, your accuracy is always, you know, your accuracy, your snap to zoom, all that stuff is all standard, and the only thing that, that gets increased is damage. And while that makes the gunplay feel good, 
I actually think it's worse for an RP, from an RPG standpoint. Um, mostly because um, they didn't categorize the weapons with enough variety uh, to a certain extent. And then on top of that, like, like it, it was so clear that, you know, the hunting rifle is better than the pipe rifle or whatever right you know and the, the, there weren't there weren't they weren't necessarily like competitive uh though i did think you know fallout new vegas obviously had the crafting system the crafting system was pretty good pretty in-depth i don't know man she's i fucking the one is here's here's just to put a final like a fourth time moratorium the problem i have with fallout 4 so fundamentally is the dialogue system is like poop and the rest of the and the rest of the game is a water supply and everything that the dialogue system touches it poopifies that water supply and makes it worse right and that's what kills the game but you know the dialogue system doesn't touch the gunplay so whatever it's fine it's good i, I, pro- I promise i did not bring up this category <sighs> in an attempt to get you to talk about fallout 4 more i i i promise <laughs> Close enough. I really I, just I wanted to talk about Splatoon because I love that game. Good. I'm happy that you like Splatoon that much. Yeah. Fallout 4 is just so disappointing, man. It was my most hyped game of the year, man. It was number one on my fucking list. Mine too. And it's just, you know, and it's such a C, C minus game. Oh, like wow. C plus game. Nah, you know, like you know what? I'm not, I'm not, like not, I'm not falling into this trap. Straight I'm, 75 out of 100. I am game. not falling into this trap, buddy. What's your next category? <laughs> such a good trap though dude all right what was the what was the worst game of your year the worst game of the year yeah mine oh, was uh i mean obviously my list isn't super long mad max was mad max really sucked because you know like maybe uh maybe those of you who don't know me personally don't know this but i'm a huge movie guy right i went to school and studied movies right like i you know i've written i've written screenplays and stuff um i go and see movies constantly constantly my favorite well my three favorite movies of the year are the martian sicario and mad max fury road and i had gone back to see mad max fury road right around this time because it was in theaters for forever right around this time that the mad max game got released and then immediately afterwards i got sick for a couple of days and i was just like fuck it so i bought mad max for 60 dollars on release and uh and i i wanted to play it so bad because i just wanted to be i just wanted more fury road in my life because fury road is so great and i just like wanted to like surround myself in mad max and man that game is just like I also wanted to be good because it's by WB and their last property like this came out of nowhere and was amazing. Shadow of Mordor was so good. And <sighs> Mad Max, I know that the game gets to a point that I bet I would like it, right? Just to check my Steam really quickly, right? Because, oh my god, I've actually uninstalled this game. I've played two and a half hours of Mad Max Fury Road, or Mad Max the, sorry, Mad Max the game. Um... And I, I still felt like I was in the fucking tutorial. And I was just, like, dicking around doing this tutorial bullshit. And I was like, man, come on. Open up this world. Give me some, like, open world stuff to do. I want I want quests, right? Shadow of Mordor got you in there so fast. Far Cry 4 had, like, 15 minutes of tutorial. And then you could just dick around in the world for, like, all, you know, all the game gave a shit. And it's just, like, the worst, the worst design 
to have such a gigantic tutorial and tutorial area and tutorial bullshit in a game that you just want to run around and blow shit up with the harpoon on your car, right? Um, yeah, I wish I could refund this game, man. I really do. But I played just like a little bit too long, so I fucked myself over. Uh, what was uh, what was yours? What was your, um, this what was is, your worst this is, game of the year? This is hard. Um, huh. I guess I'm going to have to give it to... To, uh, I kind of hate to do this, but I think it's, it, it, it fits, is, uh, is this game called Yomi. Um, Yomi is a fighting game, but not in the same sense as a regular fighting game. It's a game that is a deck of cards. Um, you, you it's, it's like a, like a card game, kind of like Hearthstone is, but you play your deck of cards against your opponent and the different cards mean different fighting game moves like jabs and grabs and blocks and all that kind of thing um and it's kind of like an interesting in concept um uh kind of take on the fighting on a fighting game because you you have your you know you have time to think about things you don't have like that speed component you don't have any execution component because it's all in um it's all on the cards and like the, the 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 decks kind of are supposed to represent different types of fighters like you know your standard tree, you can fight with like different grapplers. Like there's a big stone dude whose most of his cards are grabs, and like they can grab even if you get hit type of deal. But ultimately, in execution, I didn't find it to be that compelling. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. I, I couldn't feel like I wanted to to you know really put in the effort to figure out how the different games went. I didn't want to like, you know, the Ran like if it didn't feel like like a fighting game does where like I feel like you know part of my success is on making reads or playing footsies well and knowing ranges and like executing well uh it just kind of felt like I was playing rocks paper scissors with um rocks paper scissors with limited options I didn't didn't like it very much at all um luckily it was I think it was cheap but it was it was not not something that I could I could just get into. I really wanted to too. Jeez, I, fair enough. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I guess we're nearing the end of the cast. What, what one final category? What would your one final category be? Oh. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Would my one final category be? Hmm. I suppose I have one. If you don't, go for it then. Okay. Uh, just because. Uh, I guess just, you know, now that we get to look forward, because next year is coming up, what, uh, you know, like, what game that's coming out next year are you most looking forward to? Uh, well, I've got I've got a handful, but I'm going to let you, I assume you're going to talk about Total War Warhammer? Oof, am I going to talk about Total War Warhammer? Or am I going to talk about Mass Effect Andromeda, because it comes out in holiday 2016? <laughs> Oh, I am actually going to talk about Mass Effect Andromeda because I haven't talked about Mass Effect enough in my life on this podcast. One day, one day we're going to do like a hardcore cast where I'm just going to like go. I One day I just want to do an entire cast, by the way, about Mass Effect 2. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just like do like a Twitch stream or something when I start playing it in the not too distant future to just like record my commentary because I have so much to talk about on that game and I have so much to talk about this franchise. But looking back on it, 
Bioware has been the like consistently the best developer like for me uh, over the past you know however many years ever since I first got into Bioware games with Mass Effect One the only game that I don't like is Dragon Age Origins and it's not even like I don't like that game all that much I just think it's really clunky compared to you know other comparable games I actually like this I like the story behind Dragon Age Origins a lot right and I think the character and the writing and all that stuff the 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 Bioware stuff is uh, you know, it's solid. It's really good. But, you know, when I was going back and looking at those past years, right, 2007, 2010, 2011, 20, uh, 2012, 2014, right? Like, every single one of these years, the Bioware game that came out that year, right? You know, Dragon Age uh, 2 and Dragon Age Inquisitions, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, those games have always, always topped my game game of the year list. And I don't think there's any reason for me to assume that Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be, uh, is going to be any different. Um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, there's not all that much information out there. All we really know about Mass Effect Andromeda is that the story is fundamentally... Um, you know, you are uh, sent by the, uh, the you know, like uh, like our galaxy, our like Milky Way galaxy. You're being sent to the Andromeda galaxy because if the Reapers, you know, in Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, if the Reapers destroy the galaxy, you know, we want humanity to continue someplace else. Uh, so, you know, you're sent out. And I think that this is the perfect game. Um, I think it's just like the perfect decision to put Mass Effect uh, in the future, and I think making you know uh, making a, a an, an exploratory game uh, is going to be a really interesting challenge for Bioware that I'm really excited to see what they do with. Uh, I think if they can combine the kind of atmosphere that we get in these Bethesda games with the kind of depth and writing. Uh, you know, and in stories and characters that you get in these Bioware games, this that will be like my my magnum opus, right? That will be the magnum opus game. Um, man, I I am just I am I am quite I'm quite excited uh, because it's it's more Mass Effect, and that's all I ever want in my life. Okay, well, that was surprising. <laughs> Um, although, in retrospect, if I had known that Andromeda was coming out in Holiday, I would have anticipated it more. Um, yeah, I imagine so. Because for me, it's, it's a toss-up for both Total War Warhammer and Street Fighter V. Um, I know you didn't play the beta because you're a coward. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, I was, I was, ironically, I was too busy playing Mass Effect 1. Um, but yeah, so I, I loaded up that beta and I played the... I, I couldn't play it a lot or very well because i'm i don't have my desktop um back back home um but i i you know i turned all the graphics down i turned like the the resolution down to like to to like potato by Eight, pumpkin 800 by yeah. 600 but like, yeah. yeah um and i played the shit out of it and you know i'm super excited zangief is freaking great he's neat like you know he might even be broken. I'm super excited. Like he's, you know, he's so powerful. He can move through fireballs super easily. He can. He's got an air grab. It's it's so it's so like you know for personal. This like the systems all feel great. Um, everything feels smooth. Even playing at potato resolution, the game felt smooth. It was amazing. Um, and I'm super excited for that for that game to to, to be real. So excited that I that I ordered myself a tor- uh, a fight stick. So hopefully that'll show up at some point. Um. 
so excited that I bought Street Fighter 4, which I have on the 360, for my PC so I can practice with my fight stick gets in before Street Fighter 5 comes out. Um, wow, jeez. Yeah, I'm 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 Real. I'm pretty pumped. Um and then on the other hand, we've got this Total War Warhammer and everything I see about that makes me more excited for that. Um recently I I don't know if you brought it up on the cast, but you talked about how the uh how they had the video of the Greenskin campaigns where as I will point out, they pronounce it wa and not wog. Um, I know, I know, I know. I I I I, I thought it was wog man i don't know i don't know yeah. what to tell you no i think it's supposed to be like the gh is supposed to be like the gh and like ugh uh yeah i guess that's supposed to, i guess yeah. yeah my my knowledge of wog comes from uh i used to go to a hobby shop on friday nights because i was not a loser in high school and uh that was how it was pronounced when all of the guys were playing warhammer there sure you know like you know it's not some it's it's it, Tomato, tomato, not ultimately important. Yeah, but I figured yeah. I'd jab you for it while I could. Um, Fair enough. But, you know, the greenskins look perfect. The dwarves look great. You know, there's nothing about the vampire counts at all. And I'm intrigued rather than being pessimistic because I like to be positive. Um, and I'm, I'm just so excited for, like, that kind of grand strategy. I'm, like, the, the more I, like, see little things happen, like, uh, um, like some, like, you know, like that that overview of the of the greenskin campaign is just like oh well you know there's multiple factions within each race there's still that kind of diplomacy on the map which is something i was afraid of i was afraid that like you know most of these well the humans and the dwarves can kind of ally and maybe the undead and the orcs can ally and you know otherwise who knows right right Um, but there seems to be enough like the empire especially seems to have like a lot of diverse factions within it that that are gonna that, that, that you know lead to some internal struggle, um, and so I'm I am super pumped for that game too. Just um, I really want a strategy game that I could just kind of like dig my teeth into. Like I man, I, you know what I really want from this strategy game to be to be completely honest, and it's something that I've actually been searching for 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 years at this point. Um, you, one of the things that I read out on my list was actually a game called Endless Legend which is a, you know, a medieval fantasy strategy game. And there's actually another one. Last year, I played a game on release uh, called Age of Wonders 3 that's the same thing. And they're both trying to scratch this itch of, I want to play a game. You know, I want to play, I want to play Total War Warhammer. You know, like, I want to play a grand strategy game, but I want to do it in, like, a mystical, in a magical setting where I get to throw trolls versus dragons and see who wins right like and uh and total war warhammer is going to be like the perfect realization of that i uh in in terms of what i'm looking for um Honestly, the thing that excites me most about Total War Warhammer is the idea of me playing it like four years from now, when all three games are out, the map is gigantic, and you have all these different factions. Like, oh man, that is going to be oh yeah, that is that is going to be the day, man. <laughs> um, do you know is, is there like a competitive campaign mode for for Total War Warhammer? In the sense of uh, multiplayer campaign, mode? yeah, yeah. I imagine that there probably will be. Uh, I've played uh, multiplayer campaign modes in uh, Shogun, and they are in Rome now that I think about it. I actually think a a big one would be really fun with, like, you know, you and me and and, and some of our other friends uh, getting a bunch of us together to kind of, like, duke it out. Uh, Especially once you get, like, once we get deep enough into the factions that it's not just, you know... 
well, Mango's playing Greenskins and I'm playing Empire, so we got to fight kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, you have Wood Elves and you have, you know, Bretonia and you have uh, High Elves and, and everything where uh, you kind of make make up the, the difference. I think that'll be that'll be the day. That'll be the day. Yeah, no, I, 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 that's, I'm excited for that. I have budgeted my future for like $250 into this game. Because I think each of the three core games is probably going to be a $60 release, which I don't mind paying at all. And I'm going to buy all of this DLC like like gangbusters. Because yep. uh, I, I am shameless and I don't care. I like Creative Assembly. They, they're doing stuff I like and I am not afraid of throwing them my money. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm going to – I just got some Christmas money. I think I'm going to budget that for just to pre-order this game. Um, you know, like just, just so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I do need to pre-order the game. I, f- I forgot about that. Gotta get them Chaos Warriors. Yeah, uh, those Chaos Warriors. Oh no, cut content, Mango. <laughs> I mean, if if you really want to support Creative Assembly, you'd buy it after release and then buy the DLC. That way you're giving them more money. It's uh, true. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Um, it occurs to me that we didn't talk o- about what we did this week in our in our tabletop games this might be a good opportunity to address that um, oh right yeah i did forget about that uh i have also realized that we didn't stream rune lords this week because it was a very quick kind of rp set so uh, technical difficulties were that mark couldn't get into roll 20 so we ended up just sitting in mumble and talking through kind of what ended up happening and i was going to record it but just like all of the, of the roll 20 stuff like got you know if it, it like messed everything and at first we weren't gonna play but then mark was like whatever let's just do it in mumble kind of thing but just so everybody knows um yeah because I, I wasn't here for that one either so Tell me what happened. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll do. I'm sure we'll do a catch up at the beginning of next session, uh, which, by the way, isn't going to be uh, well. Whatever. Anyway, um, we we basically wrapped up all of this stuff, and Mark just kind of explained everything that was going on. Uh, Zanesha was a couple of different political officials that apparently we knew of, but honestly, there have been so many like names and stuff that it all kind of got very hairy. We went and talked to the uh, the Mandarin, who's the person running the tournament. Um, and, uh, we've basically done that thing at the, at the end of like a, a section of an RPG where like we've beaten the bad guys, we've ousted all of the bad guys from, you know, their positions of power. And now we're throwing our good guys into those positions of power. And so, uh, you know, like Haas and, uh, uh, D- Denaria maybe who's like the councilwoman uh, for, or, uh, uh, or Delia is going to be kind of upgraded um the the big big plot movement is that Hydemark academy straight up murdered uh the launderers they uh or maybe it was magnamar's finest i can't remember uh they uh during the race um which we skipped because we didn't need to do wait Hydemark uh, academy is that the the magical girls or is that the jeez uh, oh, i don't remember which one, the i thought the Hydemark academy were good guys no they are good guys oh so they murdered. But, but you remember? Do you remember the launderers? Like, re, like, really fucked with someone. Uh, they what yeah. they did was in the match they basically were like, we're straight up going to murder this person unless you forfeit, and they right. forfeited. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, because the race was taking place and it wasn't uh, inside the arena, there was no safety against death so Hydemark Academy didn't give a shit about winning the race they just ambushed the launderers and murdered all of them um except for uh Jessa 
who we have now learned is uh, off on her own, probably, because uh, she was she hypothetically died in a fire, but there was no body. So Kenzo is uh, relatively sure that she escaped. And uh, uh, yeah, I guess that's what happened in uh, I guess that's what happened in Rune Lords. All right, and uh, in Iron Gods, the big thing is we fought a big old boss, and we 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 we, we kicked your shit. <laughs> that was actually a pretty easy boss fight. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, just one of those things. I mean, there were some complications without being. Oh uh, no, problem is is that like even the anti magic field, our magic guy. One our two, of our two magic guy, or what? We have three magic guys. We've got me, you, uh, uh, Muher, her, and and uh, and and, and Sivrin. a paladin, so he just hit it a lot. Um, I'm a blood ranger, so I just hit a lot. And Muher's a spell slinger, so he just shot it a lot. And even though it yeah. wasn't as powerful as it could have been, it worked out pretty good. Um, and we murdered everything. Um, complete with high level Pathfinder play, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. That's the way it goes. Um, and there's no Rune Lords or Iron Gods this week, because um, the GM for Iron G- Nick is uh, is is absent, and uh, and uh, I think we've got two people absent for uh, for Rune Lords, maybe right? Uh, I don't remember the specifics. I just anyway, Nick is going to Florida, but on January second uh, at six. P- Wait, what do we say? Six p.m. Pacific like 9 p.m. Eastern. Yes, from 6 to 9 is going to be the first introductory session of Hell's Rebels, which I am excited for. I am too. Um, I need to write down my character. You should You should make your character. I was actually going to say, I totally spaced on this. I was going to make like the deadline uh, this weekend so that I could look at, uh, look at characters, but I never actually told you guys anything. Um... So uh, yeah, that that's when we'll be that's when we'll be playing our first session of Hell's Rebels, and then when Iron Gods dies down, we'll be moving into Hell's Rebels kind of full time week by week, which I'm ridiculously excited for because I've got all my modifications for these <laughs> for the for the uh, the campaign because I've had so much time. Uh, though I did just receive books three and four, and three and books three and four are great. They are so good. They're like perfect. I don't want to change anything, basically. Awesome. Um, which is it? Yeah, it, it really seems like I, I feel like they must have had some different guy because books one and two were very dungeon heavy, and I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Right? This is supposed to be the social one. So I mixed stuff up a lot and uh, and pulled things out of dungeons that were in kind of superfluously in dungeons, but. Uh, I shouldn't tell you this because I guess I'm kind of spoiling. But anyway, I mean, um, I, you know, you're not spoiling. Mean, I haven't read it, so it's not like I. Fair enough. Th- there are going fair to enough. be less dungeons than there were, which I didn't know how many were there going to be in the first place. So you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I yeah. guess that's uh, that's our that's our session this week. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to email us, tell us why your game is the best game of the year instead of Undertale. Um, you can leave a comment on the SoundCloud stream. Or you can email us at some derps talk or some derps play games at gmail.com. That's some derps play games at gmail.com. Um, and if you want to watch us, you can watch us at twitch.tv slash some derps play games. Um, anything else you wanted to bring up, buddy? No, I think uh, I think we're good. Um, farewell, loyal listeners. Farewell, dear listeners. <laughs>